What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Now, we got a lot to talk about. I will be completely honest with you guys, okay? So I I totally messed up. I literally recorded about 45 minutes of this episode already and then accidentally closed out the tab that I had to record. So this is a, this is me redoing it. This is take two. <laughs> we'll see how it goes this time. Hopefully I don't mess it up. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, bunch of stuff to get into today. First and foremost, NBA. We finally have a champion crown for the season. It, and it is the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers taking care of the Miami Heat in game six. And quite honestly, this game was not close. Um it was not the end that we probably wanted to this series. Um, it was something where, you know, in all honesty, it was just the Heat had nothing left in the tank. Jimmy Butler specifically, you know, th- this team, they came out flat and you could just tell that they just, that the energy wasn't there, you know, that they had really spent everything to get the to get to this point, had really given their all to get to, uh, a game six, you know, eking out two wins, Jimmy Butler giving up, putting up two of the greatest uh, finals performances we've ever seen with the 40 point triple double in uh, game three, the 35 point triple double in game five. You could just tell though, like it, this series had taken its toll. The bubble had taken its toll and Miami just had nothing left in the tank uh, for this Lakers team, which had LeBron who is, best player in basketball and is one of the greatest conditioned athletes of all time. And then Anthony Davis, who is just a force of nature. So shout out to the Lakers, shout out to the Miami heat, both of those, like shout out in all honesty, just a a huge amount of respect to everyone involved with the bubble. You know, the NBA, it is a testament to the leadership that Adam Silver uh, has with this league and the example that he sets. I mean, you think about it. These guys were in this bubble for months, three, four months, and not a single positive COVID test. Um, there were no outbreaks, nothing. Um, it's it's really impressive. It really is. You just look around at how they were able to do this, and it's because everyone buys in, and it's because of the leadership of Adam Silver, who sits back and he knows this is what it's going to take, and he makes that very clear to everyone. So, Huge success from the NBA with this bubble. It was phenomenal. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now I get to do what every other journalist, well, sports journalist and analyst does. Uh, No, we're not going to appreciate the moment and let the Lakers breathe and enjoy their title. We're going to start looking at next season already. (laughs) It's not what we do in this world. It's It's not what we do at all. So... Looking forward to next year. Now, I'm going to hold off on making my uh, finals predictions until after the NBA draft, which actually will be in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to wait till after the draft just to see how things shake up. And then I'll tell you who I think we will see in the finals next year. Now, granted, 
next year this is assuming the nba has somewhat of a normal season this is assuming that we are not in the bubble for the playoffs or for the regular season um we will see what happens but when you look at next season man there's a lot especially in the west you know and i and we say this every year how loaded the west is but the west just it feels like the west just keeps building and building and now the eastern conference i will say is not as weak as it has been in the past um i will give the the eastern's conference the east has about five teams that you look around and you say okay these guys these teams are legitimate you know you look at obviously miami who was just in the finals and took the lakers to six games uh you look at sorry that is benjamin in the background my dog he's whining he wants to get out (laughs) but you look at the Miami Heat, um, you have the Boston Celtics, you have the Toronto Raptors, you still have the Milwaukee Bucks, you have the Brooklyn Nets now. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, that whole thing works out with the Nets. So it's uh, and then obviously you still have the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, <sighs> I don't really believe in the 76ers anymore. Uh, yeah, they have Doc Rivers there. We'll see how that plays out. You all know how I feel about Doc Rivers. Um, I just don't think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons work together. So you have to pick. I do expect that one of them will be traded next year. It will probably end up being Joel Embiid, um, which I think is a mistake. But we will see. I, I have no idea what's going to go on in Philly. Uh, but more than likely, they will probably be a disappointment. But... So you look at the East, and it's really those five teams, though. Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Toronto. In the West, I mean, you can literally make a case that 1 through 10 are maybe not legitimate title contenders, but you can make a case that all of them could make could beat any of the other ones. right? Obviously, the Lakers are going to be there, who, by the way, have cap space to add another superstar if they want to, or if they want to just get better rotational pieces and build that bench up. Um, it like the Lakers are going to be the Lakers again, you know, LeBron who won his fourth ring, won his fourth finals MVP uh, has solidified himself in my opinion, as the second greatest player of all time. It's not up for debate. Um, so you ha- still have the Lakers, right? Then you have the Clippers, who I still believe in the Clippers. I think that they do need to make a couple of tweaks. Um, I think that they need to add a point guard. If I'm the Clippers, I would be seeing what I could possibly do to get maybe a Chris Paul, somebody like that, but we will see. Um, other than the Clippers and the Lakers, you have the Trailblazers, who I expect will play much better next season than they did this season during the regular uh, during the regular season. I think next year they'll be much improved. I think the Nuggets. This is the, this is where the Nuggets start to start to get it, in my opinion. I've I've said this for quite some time now that I'm huge on the Nuggets and that the Nuggets are going to be the toast of the Western Conference soon. I feel like their time is now. Uh, I'm going to make the prediction now: the Denver Nuggets will win a championship in the next three years. That I. I you can book it. You can take that to the bank. The Denver Nuggets will win a championship within the next three years. Um, 
you still have the Dallas Mavericks who are emerging. And if Chris Stapps Porzingis, that's the one thing with this Mavericks team is one, they need to get a little bit tougher. And two, can Chris Stapps Porzingis stay healthy? Because Luka Doncic is going to do what Luka does, and he's going to be phenomenal. Uh, but this Mavericks team is real. That Utah Jazz squad that's held, that has Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Michael Conley, like they're a really great squad. Uh, you still have teams like the Pelicans. We got to see if Zion Williamson can stay healthy and play a whole season. What, what the Pelicans look like with all of the talent that they have there. You have the Spurs who obviously being coached by Greg Popovich, they're always going to have a chance to make the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns looked phenomenal in the bubble. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what that team looks like with Deandre Ayton playing the entire season. Because if you remember Deandre Ayton, missed the first 25 games of this year with a suspension. Um, There's just so much. You still have the Houston Rockets. Like there's so much talent in the West. It's ridiculous. So I I believe that the West is going to be tough to get out. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy for LeBron that he won this ring this year. Um, I'm sure some people are going to try and maybe discredit you know, and be like, oh, the Mickey Mouse ring and all this other stuff. I, I'm not one of those people. I think this ring is a symbolism of maybe you weren't the best team. Maybe you weren't the most talented, but you were the ones who were the most focused. You were the ones who were able to limit distractions. You were the ones who were able to block out all the noise, overcome all of the uh, just ridiculous circumstances that you had to play in and you were able to win. Um, I think there's something that... that has to be sent for that. This again, this doesn't necessarily mean the Lakers were the best team. It doesn't necessarily mean they were the most talented because I will be completely honest. I feel like if we would have played a traditional uh, NBA playoffs, I don't think the heat or the Lakers would have made the finals, but they did under these circumstances. And that's a testament to their mental toughness. I think this ring was more about being mentally tough and being able to lock in. And that's exactly what both of these squads were able to do. That's exactly what, LeBron was able to do and and lead his team to a ring. So I do think though, this is LeBron's last ring. Um, Just because again, like how I mentioned the West before it's, it's so deep. Uh, I didn't even mention the golden state warriors, right? Like, and I feel like people have forgotten the warriors. I feel like people forget that this warriors team made the finals twice and won a championship without Kevin Durant. And in all honesty, had Draymond Green not been suspended for game five of that finals where the, uh, the Cavaliers came back and won, and won after being down 3-1. If Draymond Green is there for game five, that series ends in five and Golden State would have had two rings before without Kevin Durant. So you have a team that was great, that was building a dynasty before Kevin Durant got there. And I feel like people now have probably just kind of forgotten that this team didn't need Kevin Durant to win. You look at this Golden State roster now, and just theoretically, Steph Curry is going to come back healthy. Klay Thompson is going to come back healthy. Andrew Wiggins is there. Draymond Green is there. And they have the second overall pick in the draft, which is probably going to end up being James Wiseman, uh, the big man out of Memphis, who gives them an opportunity to run and he will be versatile and you don't necessarily have to take him off the floor if they want to go small ball because he can defend well, he can run well, he's versatile and things like that. So 
Golden State, I think, is going to be a real. I I would not be surprised to see Golden State come back and win a championship next year. Like I, that's how much faith I have in Golden State. They have that championship pedigree. They have great head coach. They have great players. Um, and I feel like this is the first time that those guys are going to be, all be on the floor and not be expected to win. And a lot of the pressure is going to be off of Golden State because I think expectations are going to be lower for this Warriors team than they have been for the past five years. Um, and I think that bodes well for them. So all in all though, man, terrific NBA season. I can't wait for what next season is going to look like, whether we're playing in the bubble still, or if we're doing traditional style basketball, whatever it is, I'm excited for it. Adam Silver and the NBA, you all need to be applauded. Everyone that made this possible needs to be applauded as well. Like the media members, everyone that worked in the hotels, staff, all of that stuff, you all, were tremendous and you all deserve your props um just the amount of work that got put in is impeccable so shout out to the nba for really really making this whole thing work because it it was looking pretty it was looking pretty dire at certain points but again no no positive covid test is just super impressive and just a testament to the leadership that is going on over there in the nba so shout out to them uh moving on from nba to nfl so you know how i talked about how the nba and leadership and how they've had zero positive COVID test um the nfl not so much <laughs> um the nfl has had a slew of positive COVID tests and they've had all of these type of different schedule changes like there's been so much that's been moved around in the NFL. Um, and you know, I was going to, I was going to start with the picks and I was going to start with, uh, my results from week five, but I, there's just so much going on that's affecting the rest of the league. So we're just going to jump right into the NFL and how they're trying to make everything work. So obviously uh, you have Cam Newton test positive for COVID-19 in new England. And then after their game against the chiefs, you had Stefan Gilmore test positive. So, the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots game, which originally was supposed to be a Thursday night game, I believe. It was either going to be played Thursday or Sunday. It got moved to Monday night, right? Originally, it was rescheduled and it was like, okay, got moved to Monday night. That game has now altogether been postponed and has been moved to a has been moved to week six on Sunday. So the game that was supposed to be played this past week is now being played this upcoming week on Sunday, October 18th at 1 p.m., which basically means that the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots now have a week five bye, or a week five bye, right? So that's going to be their bye week. Now, this postponement affects seven other games. So I'm going to go down this list real quick and let you all know what exactly is moving. So try and stay with me here because it's a lot. <laughs> So due to the postponement of the Denver Broncos and New England Patriots game being moved now or reschedulement to week six, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills week six game moves from Thursday, which means the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills were supposed to play this Thursday. However, the Bills have a game that they're playing tonight because the Tennessee Titans game had to be pushed back because of positive tests. Now, Tennessee has not had any positive tests the past two days, so 
everything seems to be on schedule. The Tennessee Titans and the Buffalo Bills will take each other on tonight. We get some Tuesday football. Cool for us. But because of that, the Buffalo Bills, who basically, if the schedule would have stayed the same, would have had to play Tuesday night and then would have had to turn around and play a game with really one day rest and turn around and have to play the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday. The NFL said that's ridiculous. That gives them too much of a competitive uh, disadvantage. We're going to move that Thursday game to Monday. So instead of the Bills playing Thursday, they play Monday, right? Next, you have the New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. So the Jets and Miami Dolphins game, this game was originally set from week 10 or for week 10. It is now being moved to week six and will be played in the evening, will be played with the four o'clock games. The Jets and the Chargers, which were originally set for this upcoming week, which is week six, is now being moved to week 11, which means that game will be played November 22nd. You have the Jaguars and Chargers game that was originally set for week eight, which is now being moved back a week to week seven. So that game will be played Sunday, October 25th. The Chargers and Broncos game, which was originally set for week 11, is now being moved to week 8. So that game will be played Sunday, November 1st. You have a Chargers and Dolphins game that was originally set for week 7, now being played in week 10. So that game will be Sunday, November 15th. And then you have the Dolphins and Broncos game that was originally set for week 6, being moved to week 11. I know that is a lot, and that brings the total of 10 games. That is now 10 total games that have been rescheduled to different weeks this season. Um, Multiple teams have different bye weeks now. The Denver Broncos now have a week five bye week instead of a week eight. Uh, The New England Patriots bye week moves from week six now to week five. The Chargers, who originally had a bye week in week 10, will now have a bye week on week six. Miami's bye moves from week 11 to week 7. Jacksonville's bye is moving from week 7 to week 8. And the Jets' bye is moving from week 11 to week 10. And then obviously the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens' bye weeks moved from week 7 to week 8. And the Titans' bye week was moved from week... uh, Oh, I'm sorry, no. The Pittsburgh bye week moved from week 8 to week 4. Titans bye week was from week seven and moved to week four as well. And then the Baltimore Ravens, who originally had a bye week scheduled for week eight, is being moved to week seven. So, a lot of shuffling going on in the NFL. I know that's a lot, and if you weren't able to follow it, I'm so sorry. Just go ahead and rewind. You might have to listen to it a couple times. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. And, you know, this is... This is one of the things that we worried about with the NFL. Now, the NFL is a little lucky that this is happening early in the season. And here's the reason why. You have this flexibility to move schedules around and you have this flexibility to move games early in the season because most teams have not had their bye weeks yet. Like I said, week four was the first week of byes. So far, I believe only six teams have had a bye week so far. So you can still finagle because a lot of teams still have bye weeks left. They have a buffer week, you know, where you can possibly move things around. However, as the season continues, 
as the season continues, those bye weeks are going to start to dry up. You're not going to have, you know, bye weeks in week 10 to reschedule because most teams will have probably had their bye weeks already. And the NFL is trying to avoid doing a situation where they just have to postpone a game and reschedule it for the end of the year. So maybe we have a week 18 or a week 19 where teams just have to play their uh, or make up games that were postponed or rescheduled. Uh, Now the NFL can do that because they have right of first deferral for those hotels down in Tampa Bay for up to, I believe a month after the uh, Super Bowl, which basically means that they've built themselves a month buffer. Yeah. When the NFL did that, uh, basically, they gave themselves an ability to, if if need be, we can push the Super Bowl back a whole month. We can push the playoffs. We can push the Super Bowl back a month if we need to. So we might not even see the Super Bowl played until like March. Um, the NFL is trying to avoid that situation, um, but it might just end up being what has to happen uh, with everything going on. So a lot of moving around in the NFL, um, it's going to be... Whew. it's going to be a doozy seeing how they figure all this stuff out and seeing if they can indeed finish this season. Um, it doesn't seem like, again, I, I said this earlier, it doesn't seem like the sky is falling just yet, but there's definitely cracks. Um, the NFL, they found ways to finagle it so far, but we'll see what happens again in week eight, week nine, week 10, when you don't have bye weeks anymore to really, uh, kind of have to give yourself the flexibility to move games around. So we will see what happens. Um, But crazy stuff going on. Crazy stuff. Now, let's get into these picks. Now, week five was not my best week. I didn't do terrible. Uh, I'm not going to be too hard on myself. And I'm still awaiting to see the results of the Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans game, which I picked the Bills to win. Um, it's going to be really interesting having football on a Tuesday. This is something I've never experienced before. <laughs> um, NFL football on a Tuesday is going to be pretty damn fun. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I have the bill. I do have the Bills winning this game. Josh Allen has been phenomenal this year. He and Stefan Diggs uh, putting on a show. Uh, and then this Tennessee Titans thing. I mean, you got to look. Tennessee basically hasn't played football in two weeks. Like, they haven't played a game since week three. It's now week five, and it's really past week five because it's a Tuesday. So they, the Tennessee Titans have not played football in really two weeks now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if how they come out. It's going to be interesting to see if they come out rusty. You know, sometimes you see that when, you know, a team who has a bye week in the playoffs, maybe they rest their starters in week uh, 17, and now they basically kind of have like a two-week off period where you know their team hasn't played where their starters haven't played in two weeks and then sometimes they come out and they're a little rusty and they're a little slow so we'll see what happens um should be a good game though um i'm just hoping again i'm hoping that nothing else comes out of this i'm hoping that the tennessee titans have gotten this under control uh and it's still we're still awaiting to hear what the punishment for the tennessee titans is going to be um, because it does still, it, it still appears as though the Titans are going to be getting some pretty hefty, uh, getting some pretty hefty discipline from the NFL because of lack of ability to follow protocol and things like that. So 
We'll see what happens. I have the Bills winning this game. We will see, though. But let's move on to some of these other games. We've talked about the Thursday night game where the Bears beat the Buccaneers. Uh, I don't think Buccaneers fans need to worry. You know, you're 3-2. and two. You're still right in the thick of things for your division. Um, and you played a really great defense. That's the one thing that I do want to point out is that this defense in Chicago is legitimate. And one of the things that's different about this Bears defense this year as opposed to last year is because now they feel like they're actually playing for something. Um, last year, that defense checked out. And as rightfully so. Like, I can't really blame them. Mitchell Trubisky, there was a game where Mitchell Trubisky and that Bears offense mustered, I believe, like three uh, three yards of total offense in the first half of the game last year. I mean, uh, what the hell is that defense supposed to do? They were out on the field all the time last year. Offense wasn't doing a damn thing. Now, that offense has played decent. They have someone who they believe in Nick Foles uh, at quarterback. And that defense is playing with a little bit of an edge. That defense is playing like they have something to play for, and they do. Um, that's why this Bears team is 4-1 and one right now. So I don't think if you're the Buccaneers, you don't freak out. If you're the Bears, you got to be feeling good about yourself. 4-1, and one. Mitchell Trubisky is on his way out the door. Um, and Nick Foles gets the better of Tom Brady for the second time. Tom Brady has never beaten Nick Foles. They've only played twice. The other time that they played was in the Super Bowl, and we all know what happened there. So huge game. For both teams, uh, big win for the Bears. Buccaneers, though, I don't think you fret too much. However, this this is a game where if you're going to seriously contend in the NFC and if you're going to really have hopes of winning a championship, these are the type of games you have to win. Um, but, hey, stuff happens. Moving on to the Sunday games. Let's talk about this battle of Pennsylvania. So we had Philly versus Pittsburgh, Eagles versus Steelers. And, you know, obviously me being a fan of the Steelers, I'm happy with the win. The Steelers won this game 38 to 29. However, just watching the game, I'm pretty upset with my team. I don't think that we played the way that we should have. There was a point in this game where the Steelers were up 17 points. Uh, They were up 31 to 14 and the game should have been over. Our defense let this team get right back into it. Um, This Pittsburgh secondary concerns me. They have real lapses at time and at times, and they let guys get open and let guys pick up big yards. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, who don't have a receiver worth naming right now, like Deshaun Jackson isn't playing, Alshon Jeffrey isn't playing. Uh, I believe their Jalen Rager isn't playing currently. Like their three starting, yeah, like their 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 three best wide receivers are injured. Um, and we let some guy named Travis Fulgham get 10 receptions for 152 yards and a touchdown. So this is a game that I feel like the Steelers should have won easily, quite honestly. Like we were up by at 17 in the second half. This game should not have been close. Um, that defense, that front seven did its job uh, sacking Carson Wentz five times, getting pressure on him. Uh, and then the offense for the Steelers, I mean, this offensively, this was our best game. We looked really good. Chase Claypool had his coming out party. Um, Chase Claypool is going to be special, man. That he's the yeah he's the young wide receiver out of Notre Dame, um, but he's special. He had four touchdowns on the day, three receiving, um, one rushing, had over a hundred yards catching. 
or had over 100 yards receiving, sorry. But uh, he's going to be special, man. And that's, and that's, you know, that's a testament to what Pittsburgh does. Pittsburgh has not spent a first round draft pick on a wide receiver in like the past for however many years, like the past decade, we haven't spent a first round draft pick on a wide receiver. But when you look at the receivers that have come out of Pittsburgh, it's incredible. Like when you look at no, and I've, I've said this before, no one scouts, evaluates drafts and develops wide receivers better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's something about this organization where when it comes to wide receivers, we just get it. Now, cornerbacks and safeties, not always our strong suit. That's, that's, that's where we sometimes tend to have problems. But when you look at the wide receivers, I mean, Chase Claypool, uh, James Washington, Antonio Brown, Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant, Emmanuel Sanders, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson. You look at all of these guys and it's like, uh, all of those guys are pretty damn good wide receivers. And again, none of them taken in the first round. This Steelers team does a really good job of drafting that that position specifically and, and developing the talent. Um, but yeah, if you're... As a Steeler fan, I'm happy for the win. Like I said, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day of the week. But that secondary really worries me. Um, it does, because that secondary can be taken advantage of. Uh, if you're the Eagles, you got to kind of feel good about yourself. Like, you lost the game, but you stuck in there with a really good team. And you showed, we we have, we have something here. Um, I just think that they need... They need to get Carson Wentz some help, specifically get that man an offensive line, and please start getting him some reliable weapons. Like, as of right now, his best two weapons are still Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Point blank, period. Like, let's get this, let's get this man some help. I can't stand how everyone keeps on trying to pile on Carson Wentz and make it seem like Carson Wentz is the reason that this Eagles team is failing. He's not. And if you think that Carson Wentz is the problem in Philadelphia, you're insane. Point blank period. Carson Wentz is an elite quarterback. He's pressing a lot and he's been problematic this year. Um, but he's trying to he's trying to make things happen because this roster is just so devoid of talent. Point blank period. So uh, I feel for you, Carson. Just know I'm on your side. And if they ever decide to let you go in Philly, you can please just come right up the street over to Pittsburgh. We will gladly take you. This is probably Ben's last year. Anyway, we will gladly take you in Pittsburgh. Next up, we have the upset of the week, which was the Las Vegas Raiders going into Kansas City and beating the Super Bowl champs. Um, and, you know, Oakland really was in control of this game. Really, I would say probably from the second quarter on. Like, the Chiefs came out and took a 7-3 to lead in the first quarter. But then after that, it was Oakland. Like, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Oakland. It was the Raiders all day. Like, they did a really good job. And they took advantage of this Chiefs defense. Like, they imposed their will on this defense. Derek Carr threw the ball really well. Henry Ruggs got wide open. Henry Ruggs only had two catches, but ended up with 118 yards and one touchdown. So he got wide open a couple times and was just able to use his speed to get behind this defense. Um, and then when they needed Josh Jacobs to run the ball and just drain the clock, uh, that's exactly what he did. So this Raiders team, man, they there's 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 some serious talent in Las Vegas. Um, I think John Gruden is doing a good job being the head coach there. 
Um, it's a, it was a wild game to watch. Now I will say the chiefs had a chance, you know, the Raiders took a 16 point lead in the fourth quarter and the chiefs, it just, it was like, oh man, this is it. You know, that's, that's kind of the nail in the coffin, but this chiefs team was able to go drive down the field quickly, um, score a touchdown, then got the two point conversion cut it to an eight point lead. And now it's like, Oh man, are they going to do it? All they need is this defense to get one more stop. And that defense couldn't do it. Uh, defense had a situation, got them to a fourth and one. Uh, they go with a quarterback sneak. Derek Carr picks it up. And that was basically the end of the game. So shout out to the Raiders, man. It's a huge, it's a huge win for you guys going into Kansas city and getting that W. And as far as the Kansas city chiefs go, you know what? This might, Cause you know, I never, I'm never one of those, uh, uh, theoretical wins or things like that. Like I'm never one of those people. Right. But this is a situation where Andy Reed, yes, he's upset with the loss, but I will be honest with you. This is, this is one of those losses where as a coach, you're kind of happy about the loss because it snaps your team back into focus. Um, Everyone was starting to talk about, can this team go 16-0? and And now he doesn't have to worry about that question anymore. He doesn't have to worry about that that pressure every week of, oh, my gosh, the, the they're, they're trying to go 16-0, and and can they do it? Like that, It's out the window now. We're not going 16-0. and We lost the game. But more importantly, we lost the game, which shows you guys you're not invincible. We can be beat if we don't come out and give our best performance every week. You know, because that's something that happens when – when you win 10 games in a row, you know, you're when you're sitting there and it's week 11 and you're 11 and 0, you kind of start to gloss over some of the small details. Why? Because we're winning. So, it's not that important. You know, winning you kind of overlook things because you're not as detail oriented, you're not as focused because you feel good, you know, like hey, we're doing we're on the roll. We're, we we got this. Um and you can kind of get a little laxed in your preparation. This loss is a good it's a good way of recalibrating and getting this team to refocus and saying, okay, if we don't come out and put our best foot forward every game, we will lose. I understand we have a ton of talent here, but talent doesn't mean anything on the field if it doesn't show up. So, like I said, this is the Chiefs, this is a as as much as a, of a good loss as there can be, this is a good loss for the chiefs because I do think it, it gives them that right mentality of, okay, we need to get our stuff together. Um, and like I said, it takes off that pressure of trying to go 16 and zero and all this other stuff and being perfect. It's a good, it's a good wake up call for the chiefs. So, but shout out to the Raiders. Good win for them. Uh, this is also a, another, well, it's another upset. I almost called this upset. You know, uh, last week I said it, you know, I, I almost wanted to pick the Miami Dolphins just because of how banged up the San Francisco 49ers were. But I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I should have because I'm going to be completely honest with you. The Miami Dolphins went into San Francisco and laid a can of whoop ass on the 49ers. I mean, it wasn't close at any point in the game. This game was over after the first quarter. I mean, Miami came and jumped all over the 49ers. And like I said, this was a game that I felt the Dolphins might win. 
just because, you know, I sat back and I looked around and I said, you know what? There's a ton of injuries on this 49ers team. Debo Samuels isn't there. Nick Bose is not there. Solomon Thomas isn't there. Richard Sherman isn't there. You know, it's it's there's a ton of injuries on this on this San Francisco 49ers squad. And Miami, they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we all know how Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy who for three or four weeks he will look like the best quarterback in football. He there's something Fitz magic is real, okay? There's something about it where something some sometimes it's just Ryan Fitzpatrick's day. And when he when it's his day, he gives his team a chance to win against any opponent. And that's exactly what happened here. I mean, the Dolphins jumped out to a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, um, scored another 16 in the second quarter, and took a 30-7 lead in the first half. And it was just that was all she wrote. Um Jimmy Garoppolo played in this game. Hell, he ended up getting benched. Uh it was just bad all around for the 49ers. Dolphins team, I mean, dropping 43 points on this San Francisco 49ers team in San Francisco. It's It was absolutely insane. Ryan Fitzpatrick, again, had one of those games. 22 of 28, only six incompletions, 350 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Like I said, I, I felt this was a game that the Dolphins might, might sneak out and get a win in. I didn't expect, even if, like, I... I don't think I expected them to absolutely blow out the 49ers. I mean, this was, like I said, it was a no contest from the beginning. Like Miami showed up, punched San Francisco in the mouth, and they just kept punching them the entire night. So shout out to the Dolphins getting a W there. San Francisco now, San Francisco, you've got to be a little worried. Now, obviously, you're sitting back and you're saying, okay, we're dealing with a whole bunch of injuries right now. We just need to get healthy. If you're San Francisco, that's probably what you're sitting back and saying. But the problem is, if you're San Francisco, you play in a tough division. You know, you have the Seahawks and you have the, <clears throat> excuse me, you have the Seahawks and you have the Cardinals. And like, you, that's a tough division to play in. You have the Rams in that division. So you can't really fall behind in this division because of how good your division is. So two and three isn't a death sentence, but it's a hole that you're digging yourself into out there in the NFC West, right? You're not in the NFC East where two and three right now has you tied for first in the, uh, in the division. So San Francisco, hopefully you're sitting there and just saying, we got to get healthy. We got to start winning some games because this is not good. It's not a good spot for us to be put in right now. Um, Oh, quickly about this Giants and Cowboys game. I'm not going to go too deep into the breakdown, but uh, really sad news out of Dallas, you know, and if you watched the game, you saw it happen. Just Dak Prescott basically having his season ended. Um, uh, took off on a scramble, was running away, came down awkwardly. It looked like his foot maybe got, and got caught under him when he was going to the ground and just kind of got uh, dragged on the ground. But when he came up, you could see you could see his ankle was broken and his foot was facing the wrong direction. It was at like a 90 degree angle. Um, it, it just, it looked bad and you just knew, you knew when you saw it that Dak's seasons was, his season was done and you, you feel for the guy. 
because it's situations like this, you know, where it's like, this is, this is why players hold out. You know, this is why when guys feel like they're not being paid enough, when guys feel like they're not being valued, they sit out and they don't play because this game is unforgiving. This game is unforgiving. Um, it's really, it's a really, really rough thing to watch. And, you know, more than anything, that was the biggest takeaway was just watching, watching the amount of respect that guys have for Dak Prescott. You could see how everyone rushed over to offer condolences and wish him a speedy recovery. Just looking on social media and seeing the responses that he was getting, um, you could tell the amount of respect that Dak Prescott has around the league. Um, seeing his face, he's flushed with emotion. He's crying because he knows his season is over. And not to be lost in all of this is this is a vital season for him. This is a contract year. You know, he's been franchise tag again. He's playing to try and get a larger contract. He's he wants some uh, some stability. And you know, now how is this going to affect contract negotiations moving forward? It's, it's just a really rough spot to be in. Uh, I feel for Dak Prescott. I'm wishing him a speedy recovery. He did eventually uh, was taken to a hospital and had surgery later that night. It was a successful surgery. Um, so now it's just going to all be rehabbing and strengthening that ankle and him healing up and stuff like that. And then hopefully he can get on the field sometime in the, sometime soon. But it, it probably will not be this season. His season is, is done. Uh, and that means Andy Dalton is going to be the guy for the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. Um, we will see what happens. Dallas Cowboys did win this game. Uh, it looked scary early on. It looked like the Giants actually were getting ready to really lay it on to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Giants went out, took a 14-3 lead in the first quarter, and then the Cowboys responded with a 21-point second quarter. Um, really got them back in the game. This game was close the whole way through. But like I said, the big takeaway here was, was Dak Prescott and just – hoping that that injury isn't as serious or not that it isn't as serious because it is serious, but hopefully that he can rehab, heal up and and get back on the field as soon as possible. Um, and that he gets the contract that he deserves. Uh, last game I want to talk about is this Chargers and Saints game, man. Justin Herbert. I feel for Justin Herbert because I want this kid to win a game. Like he's played so great in these four games. They've just lost all of them and it has not been his fault. Justin Herbert has been spectacular this year. Um, I'm super happy that Anthony Lynn did finally make the decision to have Justin Herbert be the starter moving forward. Um, at first it was coming out that, you know, Anthony Lynn was saying, Hey, you know, we're going to, if, 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 if Tyrod Taylor is healthy, he's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. And I just felt like that was the wrong decision. Justin Herbert, I mean, look at the three quarterbacks that he's had to go up against, right? He's had to take on Patrick Mahomes. He's had to take on Tom Brady. He's had to take on Drew Brees. And he, to his credit, has played on the level of all of them. Like, he's played up to the competition he has not been gun shy. He has not been scared. He hasn't shied away from the moment. He's been phenomenal. Justin Herbert has. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, congratulations to you all. You all have your quarterback of the future. You know, this draft class is starting to be something special, man, as far as the quarterbacks go. It seems like Joe Burrow was an absolute home run. It seems like Justin Herbert has been an absolute home run. 
We haven't seen Tua play in Miami yet, but I think that's exactly what they want. I think they want to sit Tua as much as possible, have him learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they want to, they don't want Tua playing until like week 13, maybe if they're completely out of the playoffs and they're got no shot. Maybe you send Tua in there to go ahead and play a couple games, get some snaps underneath him, see how he plays, see how he responds. But this this draft class of quarterbacks, man, it seems like they're doing the damn thing. They've played really well. Uh, Chargers almost won this game. Hell, you know the Saints took took some. It took a fourteen point fourth quarter for the Saints to come back, tie this game up. Uh, then they were able to kick a field goal in overtime to win it. But this is a really good game, really fun to watch. Um, like I said, Chargers, I, I hope you guys can win a game for Justin Herbert's sake because he damn sure deserves it. Um, as far as the Saints go, you're 3-2 and two right now. You got to be feeling pretty good about yourself. Uh, maybe, maybe I was a little dramatic with the demise of Drew Brees. I do still think that Father Time is catching up to him. But Drew Brees had a pretty good game here. Uh, funny enough, to show you how odd this game was, the two rushing uh, touchdowns that occurred in this game were from the quarterbacks on the Saints. Uh, Taysom Hill rushed t- had a rushing touchdown, and Drew Brees had a little quarterback sneak on the goal line that got in. So good game all around, but if you're the Saints, you got to be feeling good about yourself. You're in the NFC South. Uh, really, the Falcons are basically out of it in that division. I don't think the Panthers are a real um, – threat so really the only threat that you have is the tampa bay buccaneers and that nfc south right now and you have a one game lead over them because you beat them already so if you're the saints you're feeling pretty good and if you're the chargers you've lost four games in a row but thinking about your future has to be really really special right now so shout out to them and shout out to the nfl hopefully they can get all of this stuff figured out and we can uh stop having to worry about moving games and whatnot but a lot of stuff going on in the NFL right now, but it's 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 been fun. Uh, we talked about how some seasons are coming to an end. You know, we've had this this smorgasbord of sports these past couple past couple weeks, where we've had our taste of NFL and we've had baseball and we've had basketball and we've had WNBA and we've had college football. And we've had all of this stuff going on. It's finally starting to come to an end. You no know, WNBA is over. NBA is over, and now MLB, they're getting ready to end, too. We're at the uh, AL and NLCS games, um, and we're only a couple couple of days away from the World Series, man. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, have taken a 2-0 lead over the Houston Astros in the ALCS, and I cannot be happier. You all know how much I cannot stand the Houston Astros um, just with the way that they've dealt with this entire cheating scandal and how They've kind of stuck their noses up and was just like, oh, we didn't need to do it and all this. Like, they've just been very pretentious. And the way that they've reacted to all of this, the players, uh, the league, it's just been despicable. Rob Manfred sucks. He's a terrible commissioner. But (laughs) um, so I'm super happy to see them. The Rays have a 2-0 lead over the Astros. Hopefully they can go ahead and just sweep them and completely embarrass them. Get them the hell out of here. Don't even let them sniff a World Series. Uh, because they damn sure don't deserve it. They don't even deserve to be in these playoffs. But anywho, uh, looking at the NL, the Atlanta Braves were able to win uh, the first game of the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers 5-1. to one. You know, it's uh, it's not looking too great for my World Series prediction. I said Yankees and Dodgers 
and Yankees have already been eliminated. Dodgers are down one are down oh one to the Braves, but I'm not I'm not jumping off the bandwagon just yet. Okay, I'm gonna stick to my conviction. Uh, I'm gonna say Dodgers and Rays in this World Series. I think the Dodgers can make this comeback. It's only one game. Uh, Braves played well, but uh, those games actually there are the second game of the NLCS against the Braves and Dodgers will be played tonight, as well as Game Three for the Rays and Astros will be played tonight. So. We'll see what happens, but um, we'll see what happens. I, I can tell you, down here in Atlanta, there is a buzz. So in Atlanta, you have this sports curse, and te- people feel like Atlanta sports teams are absolutely cursed to never win a championship, that whenever things feel like they're going right, they will go left. Um, so we'll see. There's a lot of buzz down here in Atlanta about this Braves team possibly winning a World Series and finally breaking the curse uh, that is that has afflicted the Atlanta sports uh, franchises for decades now. So huge there. We'll see what happens. I'm still, I'm still rolling with the Dodgers, um, to win this series, rolling with the Rays and then Rays and Dodgers. I will, Rays have been playing really well as of recently. I would probably still go with the Dodgers, but we will see what happens. We shall see what happens, but MLB is coming to a close soon. Um, it's gotta, you know, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss having five different sports on on the same at the same time. It's 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 been really cool being able to just turn the TV on and knowing that there are five different sports on all at the same time. So it's been it's been really cool, uh, but it is coming to an end. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, man. UFC. So I think I witnessed the greatest knockout. I've ever seen in my life this past weekend. I mean, you want to talk about entertaining. You want to talk about exciting. You want to talk about unbelievable. Like Joaquin Buckley, you, sir, deserve all of the props. So I'm going to paint this picture for you. Joaquin Buckley is fighting. Had been a close matchup. It's the second round. And he throws he throws a left kick. It gets caught, actually. Um, the other fighter whose name is escaping me, I don't have it written down. But he basically catches the left foot, which is what you're supposed to do. Like that's great, that's great defense by his opponent. His opponent catches his foot, and Joaquin Buckley uses the momentum of his opponent grabbing his foot and catching it and then kind of pushing it to the side and uses that momentum to jump off and land a vicious head kick with his right foot. I mean, it was something, it literally looked like something out of an anime. Like it looked like something that you only see in karate movies. I mean, he goes, he lands that right kick right on the, right to the face of his opponent. And it, he was lights out i mean it just seeing it in real time was i mean i just stunned my mouth dropped i couldn't believe what i just saw that like i said i said it the moment i saw it i said that is the greatest knockout i've ever seen point blank period he did get a knockout of the night or fight of the night uh bonus for that dana white (laughs) came up to him personally and was like yeah no kid you deserve this one this 
like I said, that was absolutely phenomenal. UFC has been doing a great job too with their fight Island stuff and all that good, good stuff. So boy, that, I mean, you just got to see it. Just go and look up like on Twitter or YouTube, Joaquin Buckley knockout. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely electric. That's actually his, uh, first win in the UFC. I believe he has a 13 and three record overall. He, however, this is only his second fight in the UFC. Uh, he lost his first, so he gets his first win here. And that's a hell of a way to get your first win in the UFC, by the way. Like that's, I don't know if he's going to become the next, like a next, uh, superstar or household name, but I can tell you right now, sir, Joaquin Buckley, you, sir, 1000% are going to have one of the most memorable knockouts in UFC history. Uh, you could put that one in your scrapbook because that was absolutely insane. But that's all I got for you today. Oh, no. Goodness. I almost forgot. It's Tuesday. I'm supposed to give you all my pick for the Thursday game. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I can't believe I forgot this. Okay. Give me one quick second. To pull it up. I can't believe I almost forgot to make my picks for the Thursday game. What is this? What is this? What am I doing? Alrighty. I was gonna cheat you guys. Alrighty. Um let me see here. Let me see here. Go to week six. And okay, so okay, so that's that's why I forgot to do it. There won't be a Thursday night game. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, so there won't be a Thursday night game, which is why I didn't make the pick earlier. Um, there will not be a Thursday night game because the Thursday night game that was originally supposed to be set was rescheduled. So there will not be a Thursday night game. There will be two Monday night games or two Monday games next week, Chiefs and Bills, obviously, and then Cardinals and Cowboys. Um, but yeah, so I will give you all the rest of the picks um, at the on Friday. Yes, on Friday's edition of the show. Oh, okay, I was gonna say so. I wasn't tripping. I, I thought I completely thought I was cheating you guys out. I'm sorry, but that's all we have for you guys today, man. This is uh, a lot going on in the sports world. Some things are coming to a wrap. Some things are just getting started. Some things might get shut down. We'll see what happens. But thank you all so much for checking in and listening. This has been the Instant Replay Podcast. I am your host, Dominic Shirosky. You all are phenomenal. Thank you all so much. If you like today's episode, like it, share it, tell a friend, tell a friend. And if you didn't like this episode, just act like it didn't happen. Um, you all are phenomenal. And as always, I leave you all with a quote. Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you guys Friday.